Hey guys, it is Kayla here coming back to you from inside of my podcasting closet to bring you episode number five today of Failing Miserably, Ordinary People Fucking Up Extraordinarily. So first off, in terms of announcements, I guess the biggest thing is that I am finally recording with an actual microphone. Unfortunately, that microphone was not purchased before all of the content for episode number five was actually recorded. So when we start the actual interview, it won't be, you know, perfection. But moving forward, all other episodes shall be recorded with a real legitimate microphone from inside of the same closet. So I'm hoping that listening quality should be exponentially better here on forward. But yeah, so I hope all of you have been having a really good week. A lot has kind of been changing here in the Central Valley in terms of shelter-in-place orders. Um, Some of those restrictions are going to be lifted next week, so I feel like life will maybe have a little bit more of a semblance of normalcy moving forward. Um, Doesn't mean that corona is going away anytime soon, but hopefully people will continue to mask up, keep themselves safe, keep other people safe, while not feeling like we're all eternally doomed. Um, other than that, I don't think I have any big show notes from episode number four with my friend CJ. Again, that was just a super great episode to sit down and make with him. And I'm really thankful that CJ was on the show and able to just be so awesome and vulnerable. And if you haven't listened to that yet, you should go ahead and go back to listen and listen to episode number four with CJ before you jump into this one. Um, so today's guest is a really good friend of mine. Gosh, we've known each other for well over 10 years now. We were in a theater program together in high school, and we both just kind of thought that the other person was super weird for a little while, so we weren't really friends, and then we realized, oh, hey, we are both really freaking weird. So all the more reason for us to be friends. Um, So today's guest is my friend, Michelle. She's really awesome. And we both have the same middle name, even though it's spelled differently. So that's kind of a cool fact about both of us. Um, Michelle and I sit down and we just really talk about relationships and failing in relationships and learning how to grow and move forward when relationships that we spent a lot of time in and invested a lot of time in just didn't necessarily go the way that we thought they were going to. Um, So I feel like this was a great conversation just because Michelle gets really real and it's definitely just something I feel like a lot of listeners can listen to, Uh, not listen to, obviously you're listening if you're here, can relate to. So anyway, yeah, I am going to go ahead and shut the fuck up now and let you dive right into episode number five with my really good friend, Michelle. I hope you guys love it. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. What's up? I'm Michelle. I currently live in Southern California. I'm from a small town called Springville. Um, If you haven't been there, it's a magical place full of rednecks and oranges and avocados and cows. Um, I have my BA in psychology, master's in social work, and I am a diehard vegan. Um, Super, super important in my life. I just want to, I, the vegans have to throw it out there. We have to let you know that we're vegan. So when you know that I'm vegan, full disclosure. Um, what else? Uh, I'm currently a social worker. 
for a nonprofit. It's funny because like when I saw your podcast, I'm like, oh, what a cool idea. And when I was like, okay, I'll be the guest on it. I, I really didn't know. I was thinking about what to talk about because I feel like I've had like a lot of little failures that have kind of um, just happened over the years. And they've all kind of stemmed from like a lack of confidence, which I think is the biggest failure, right? So um, every little failure that I had, I let it kind of defeat me in a way. Is that, if I'm making any sense, I don't know. Um, but I'm just trying to, so I think back to when I was, I think the biggest, like, in my mind, failure, because uh, I was a huge, like, drama queen kid. I was a huge dreamer and, like, fantasy. I lived in, like, a little fantasy world. Um, I wanted to be the next, you know, Nicole Kidman. Um, <laughs> as a, <laughs> you know, just all, just dreaming big. Um, and I remember when eighth grade, I auditioned for my first play for my school. And I got to be um, just a, like, extra. I was an extra. <laughs> and I rem- <laughs> I tried so hard at the audition. I did. And then I remember sitting, he, like, did the whole casting, announced all the, ki- all the, all the people, and all my friends got roles. And then he's like, okay, everyone who got name was called for a role. Congratulations, you can leave. And I remember it was, like, me and a couple other kids. And he was like, okay, so you got people who are still here. You're going to be our extras. And I just remember being like, wow, so I suck. Like, <laughs> um, and I did the play anyways, and I was an extra. And I, I mean, I feel like I was the best extra there ever was. Uh, right, like a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think that was the first time that like my confidence got shattered with wanting to be an actress. And it just kept carrying over into high school. So the more um, every little failure I had, I, I like lacked confidence. So I remember when we did improv, I was always scared to go up there or like, it was like, I put so much pressure on myself to be perfect that um, I ended up not even trying. So I think that was like the lack of confidence in my life has overall been like my biggest failure. I think through like in the, cause it, it, it kept me from doing things that I ultimately wanted to do. Um, which I still battle today, but I'm, I'm more aware of it. But I, when I was like, especially in high school, I like ran with it and was like, nope, I'm not going to do it because if I fail at it. So I was so scared of failure that I was failing, you know? And it's hard because I think looking back and like being more objective just about like, because I can speak to our drama experience, you know, pretty well from high school. Like the cards, I think were kind of in a lot of ways really just stacked against most of us because that was a program which I loved our drama teacher. She was fantastic. Like I think back to the fact that like, she's really close in age to like where we are now and like Mm -hmm. with like 35 to no, probably would have been closer to what, like 90 students in a program that all love you and like want to worship you. But like at the same time, like there were definitely some elements of like favoritism that probably weren't necessarily like in on, I don't think we were on that side of it. So it was. You were on that side of it. I was not on that side of it. Are you sure? Being the student director, and that didn't happen. That was given to mm. somebody else. Um, 
and like I got I got a couple of bigger parts like going like at the end of junior yeah. year and in senior year I had um a bigger part when we did the Cinderella production but um mm. I think a lot of that too was just because I busted my ass a lot to do costuming so it was mm. kind of like you're always here yeah you know, there were definitely there was definitely a little bit of a hierarchy that I don't think we really like understood as well at that age. So it was easy to just kind of like look at yourself and be like, oh, like it's because I'm not good enough. When right. Really, like other kids in the program that like maybe I, I don't think it was that they were more talented than anybody else. It was just that they had certain things to offer that our drama teacher like really appreciated about them, or uh, they were the child of another teacher. Um, <laughs> that was that was at our, our at our camp that was just kind of like a little political maybe but like yeah I, when I was a teenager like I used to go home and cry all the time oh yeah like, I mean I got that one role stepsister which is really fun um we were in together mm-hmm. that was the best play um but it's funny because I remember always telling myself like when I was in high school if I don't become an actress, I don't pursue this. Like, cause I didn't want to go to college. I thought that going to portable college would have been my biggest failure. Like I was like, if I do this, I'm a failure. And I just remember, um, getting, when I was getting closer to graduating, realizing, cause I didn't have, I didn't come from a place that with money, I grew up single mom. We were barely making it. Um, and my grandma who lived in Northridge was, um, they come into a point where they're, she couldn't live alone anymore. So my plan to move to Northridge to be closer to LA was falling through. Um, and I knew that I had to make a choice between being broke in LA somewhere, um, trying to fill out this pipe dream of being an actress when I'm from this small town where no one knows me, I have no connections, um, uh, or going to Portville College. And I, and I remember having to make that choice. And at the time, I thought it was the absolute worst thing that could have ever happened to me. Uh, the biggest failure to go to college and, and, and stay in, stay in Porterville. And, and I, I just remember being so horrified. Um, but I realize now that failure ended up being what should have happened because if I didn't do those steps, then I wouldn't be where I am today. Like if you would have told 18 year old Michelle that I'd have my master's by 26, I would have probably laughed at you. Like <laughs> there's no way that I would have believed it. Cause I didn't even want to go to college period. Cause I didn't I, believe that I could. I remember that you used to get very frustrated with math, which was like something I always understood because I am horrible mm-hmm. at math. And it's a big part of why like my own experience with college has just not been great because it's a requirement, you know? And I remember yes. you get really 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 upset and you're like I have to get through this math class so when I go to PC I can just take stats and then I remember stats was like a struggle but at the same time it's like you fucking got your shit together and like you grinded Mm. out and you have a fucking master's degree and you got it by the time you were 26 it's been we're like right at the one-year anniversary of graduation right now uh we passed it on the 12th 12th right Mm -hmm. yeah I kept getting all the memories of that night that we went out (laughs) (laughs) oh talk about failures Oh, golden vagina failure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if I rocked it, but I made it. Um, uh, I don't know what's next for me, but I do feel like it's funny how like something that I thought was a huge failure turned out to not be. Um, obviously, yeah, it would have been great if I could have been a famous actress, but I'm sure a lot of um, unpleasant things would have followed that trail as well. So uh, other than that, um, I mean, I do have a lot of, 
work failures, but being a new social worker is not easy. Um, a lot of pressure. I can't talk about my work failures, but I know that it's one of those that I, that's my current battle, I think, with uh, work, just being able to um, cope with not having the answer to everything. Because I feel like in, this, in the field that I'm in, there's a lot of pressure from clients. They expect you to kind of know uh, they don't expect you, but they rely on you to know everything and to know what to do. And they call you in crisis and they, they're like basically asking, what do I, what do I do? How do I, how do I help? Like, I don't know what to do anymore. And I think um, it, in the moment, especially like you don't want to give the wrong answer. Uh, it can get, it, it's a lot of pressure. And so I think, especially being new in the field, um, it, it comes with a lot of failures and you have to really accept that. And I think that's where I really challenge my confidence because I can't let every little failure break me down. I have to be aware that like, I'm, yeah, I have like the credentials to, to do this job, but it doesn't mean that I'm never going to make a mistake. All I can do is take the precautionary measures to not make one, a huge mistake. Uh, <laughs> Cause you know, it's important to, you know, tread lightly and like make sure you're have all your ducks in a row um but it is it is one of those things that I think about with my confidence and letting myself like be afraid so afraid to fail by not so I just don't take the leap letting myself know that it's okay if I make mistakes um so that's been a big lesson for me uh at my first kind of I haven't well I got the job back in October so kind of being in the field for this long kind of learning um, how to be okay with not knowing everything and not knowing all the answers and um, being transparent about it. Right. Like being able to say, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, like, I'm going to look, let me look that in, like, let, let me look that up for you or let me look into it. Or it's just not expecting you to be like the hero all the time. I think like, yeah. So that's kind of been a journey for me the past few months. Well, yeah, I feel like that's just like a huge undertaking in itself. And then combining that with just kind of like the climate we're in right now. And mm-hmm. I mean, everybody is kind of feeling like crisis mode to an extent. Like, I don't, I can't really think of anybody like in modern day society, like right now that doesn't feel impacted by something that's going on, you know, whether it's just the person that is like rich and can't go to the grocery store or all the way down to the person that's kind of at the point where they've lost everything to, due to Corona. But right. um, I feel like now is just like such a time that people that work in the mental health field, I think are really hopefully like going to maybe be better utilized if access is given to. Yeah. You know, I think so. I think right now there's a lot of also, um, I came across a really, it's kind of off topic, but I'm just going to say it out there. I came across some really, um, there's a lot of conspiracy theories going on right now, as we all know the pandemic movie. Um, but I came across some really dangerous information like about social workers, possibly like removing kids from homes if you have COVID, which is such, it's so not true. And we don't have the resources for that or like denying like CalFresh if you have COVID. It's just like, and I'm, I'm finding this on social media and I'm just like, oh, cause there's so many stigmas, social workers. Like there's so many stigmas, some mental health um, resources and there's a lot of fear already behind seeking out help. So when I see this, I'm just like, I get so angry, um, because it's so frustrating because you don't, it would, it would, you don't want someone to not seek out help because of this really incredibly false information. Um, kind of like when we think back to gosh, like a month and a half ago, how everybody was so convinced that martial law was going to be enacted. Right. 
our yeah. still keep going up and up and up. And I feel like we've reached the point where we've already kind of, we're exiting the first wave. There's probably going to be a second. If it didn't happen then, it's probably not going to happen now. I mean, the no. martial law, like in this presidency, like being enacted, I think is very, very, very slim. <laughs> um, but it's just funny the way that people will cling to like misinformation, like easier than they'll cling to science. Yeah, it's interesting. And, but I, the only one I really spoke to was that, that right. social work one. Cause I could, right. I could tell them like, that's not true. Like I'm not a child welfare worker, but I know that's not true. I have friends with child welfare and I know that, that that's not even, we don't even have the resources to do that. Like we just don't. So we're in a foster. We, huh? Our state is going broke. We can't afford to do that even if we wanted to. No, no, we're, we're in a, we're in a foster, foster family crisis as is. Like there's no way we could find homes for every kid whose parents have COVID. Like that wouldn't work. So anyways, that was off topic, but that's, that's something that was uh, frustrating me with uh, the other day because a lot of misinformation out there with like social workers in general, mental health. Um, so hope, I mean, hope as you answer your question, I think people are accessing services, mental health services right now, but it's, it's just trickier and it's harder. A lot of, especially a lot of youth aren't really keen on the like space time with us, like right. therapists. It's not really ideal. Um, so yeah. it does seem to be kind of an aversion to like phone calls and just like FaceTiming in general. I've noticed like with our generation and like the generation, but <clears throat> which is interesting. Yeah. Like, I wonder if, just the kind of situation that we're in will change that trend. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff I feel like is going to be interesting to watch. Like as you know, everything from this pandemic just kind of like mm-hmm. unfolds. It's, I think it's going to change ultimately the way that we communicate um, a lot. And oh, hundred percent. Hoping that communication amongst people will get better. Like. hundred percent. It's actually our jo- my job's actually talking about, um, keeping our telehealth services for those who maybe can't meet in person one week, or we, we're kind of like with where we've been talking about, like, not we're still gonna go back to meeting in person, but also to have this option, right. um, for other circumstances. So, I think that's I think it's good, yeah. Um, I mean, there'll be more access, I guess, that way for people of certain like disability or socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm know just kind of things that follow under that umbrella like for the part of our society that's largely been ignored until now I think it's going to be interesting like when we have like more of a resurgence back into the job force to see how employers try and deny people the right to work from home when it's been proven that it's something that is feasible and people oftentimes are a little bit more productive because they're not worried about you know managing other external factors I guess kind of at the same time so I feel like that landscape's going to change as well I mean, I I think that there will be a lot of, I don't want to sit here and be like, there's going to be so much good that comes out of this pandemic because people are fucking dying and that's awful. But I'm hoping that at least like we'll get something out of it other than just, you know, a bankrupt country. (laughs) Right, right, right. Back and say like, this is horrible. This is awful. Like there was no good that came from it. But also I feel like now more than ever, we probably do have more of an opportunity to influence, I guess, like change and push for change and and I don't know to be optimistic that like I guess once our country kind of hits rock bottom maybe things will go up instead of down hopefully (laughs) yeah it's gonna be super interesting I don't know how we're on topic of uh, that
I think it's interesting because like, you know, one, our friend cloud, um, she once asked me, she's like, Michelle, if you didn't work, what would you do? And I just didn't have the answer. And I think that's something that I think is kind of scary because I think we all just our focus, our main focus in life is work. And that, that trumps like everything. It's literally what our whole exists. I mean, we, we wake up, we go to work, um, we're drained from it. So we're, everything else kind of doesn't, our hobbies fall through the cracks, our social life falls through the cracks. Like all these things that we, I think that is starting to come to light more and more, like that, what is really important now that like, um, either working from home or we're on furlough or like all these different scenarios that are happening. Uh, I think people are really starting to feel like notice what's, what is really important to them, what is really valued in their life. And um, yeah, work is great. And it's, I, I love, I really do value the work that I do, but I think we prioritize it so much and it drains us and takes up, I would say like 80% of our energy. Easy. Right. <laughs> you talk about maybe shifting that perspective like pre-corona a lot of people will just look at you like well you just want to be lazy and just hang out and have fun all the time and it's like no like I yeah. just life where like I can work a job that makes me happy that's a livable wage and then so I can spend like my free time I don't know doing things that I do enjoy outside of work and like nurturing my relationships and like developing myself into being a better person but I mean you have that conversation with some people and they're like well you're fucking crazy and it's like am I or that's capitalism for you yeah we've just all been so conditioned to prioritize like all of that I don't know like it's funny because I always just kind of think back to our trip when we all went down to uh like southern southern California and we went to um shit what is the name of the community down there that we visited? Not Bombay beach, but, um, well, the, the art community was East Jesus, but it's part of like this larger, um, collective collective of people that live down there. And you just see people like kind of living in like this nomadic lifestyle, like out of RVs or, or other like items that they've retrofitted. And I think it's just like easy for people to like sit back and just kind of judge them for like living off the land and being like, mm-hmm. well, scummy. But it's like, I, I look at moments like this where we're in a pandemic and I'm sure that people down there are stressed out of a pandemic in different ways. But at the same time, mm-hmm. the freedom of knowing like, like, fuck, I don't have to worry about how I'm going to keep this roof in my head because ultimately a lot probably hasn't changed for them. And I think about freedom and then I think about people that are able to live like that. And I'm like, fuck, like maybe, maybe they have it so much more figured out than we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... You got a point. You got a point. I feel like there's a lot. I know um, that we have our friend that we've teased about like living in her van before. But <laughs> I get it though. Like I get the idea of like wanting to just like being detached from like stuff so you can just experience life on your own terms. That's like been the biggest thing that I've been like sitting on with all of this while I'm like hoping, praying that I don't lose my job so I don't lose my apartment so I don't lose everything else. And it's just like, fuck. Yeah. Like, why are we being being put in this position in the first place and then I just get really angry (laughs) recording all right so enough we talked about a lot of stuff (laughs) yeah we really got down to the doom and gloom there (laughs) a lot of random things acting 
pandemics, um, social work. I don't know. Uh, but I know this is this podcast is about bigger failures, and I've talked about little failures, but I will, I guess, disclose my biggest failure as an adult, which I know is kind of cliche, because of course it's about um, a relationship. But I feel like that's a really common failure uh, <laughs> to have. Um, so I, I'll dive into that and kind of like what I've learned from it a little bit, I guess. Um, so I've never really been uh, great at relationships, I guess. Like, and I mean, I'm good at being a girlfriend, but I'm, I'm terrible at uh, picking the people that I fall in love with, I guess you could say. Um, in a sense. I shouldn't say that. Maybe I shouldn't say that. But... Um, Okay, I'll say I like I like people who are emotionally unavailable, <laughs> or or they uh, as a someone who's a, like you know therapist and social work. I I I guess I'm attracted to to those who same yeah like that need fixing. <laughs> um, and when I was, I'll take it all the way back when I was about 22. I think I was on 22. I was currently, I had a boyfriend. I had another guy who was interested in me, um, super chaoticness. I don't know what happened to the 22 year old me. I was, I was hot. I was like, there was so many men. I don't know where they all went. Um, <laughs> now that I just, all I do is work. It's like, uh, anywho. <laughs> um, so and I remember at my job that I was at, I worked at a high school, um, it was for like uh, for like kids with mental illness, mental disturbance. It was my first job out in the field, and I remember uh, we were so my my para was actually my current. I was a para educator, and my current aide with me, the other para, he was actually fired, so we needed a replacement. And I heard that this one person might be coming in, and I was just like, all right, whatever, cool. And I remember I was walking in the halls and I looked through the little wind, little classroom door window and I saw him and I just did like the, little, the classic double look, you know, and you're like, oh, oh, and you're like, who's that? <laughs> oh, oh, you know, and, and I know he saw me. <laughs> and so I went in, I, and then my, you know, thirsty ass went in there and I was like, oh, you know, I introduced myself and I shook his hand and I, I looked at him and I was like, like, this is trouble. Like I knew immediately that you were trouble when you walked in. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that, Taylor Swift. Exactly like that. I knew that he was trouble. I knew that he was dangerous, and that I was immediately smitten. Um, <laughs> like it was. It was honestly like I've never experienced that quick of just like I just I, I, you know in all my relationships I kind of could take it or leave it. If that makes sense. Like not, I mean, like in my, as, as an adult, I was very like, I was in relationships, but I wasn't fully committed or I wasn't like completely set. Um, I wasn't the best, uh, um, like I had some faults. I was young. Um, but it's interesting because I've never felt that drive to like, I must have you, uh, which it was incredibly toxic because I just was like overlooking <laughs> like the the obvious red flags and I was like nope I'm gonna have you I find you um <laughs> you're gonna break my heart and I'm gonna <laughs> <keep it. laughs> 
Um, and you know what? And so I was good uh, for the first. We knew each other. We were we are coworkers. We flirted, but we um, I kept distance for a long time. Um, I know he did. He did like try to you know get me to hang out with him, and I refrained. And then eventually, I ultimately left my relationship. I was living with my partner at the time, um, but I, I had such a. I was just like something was just calling me to this other person. And I'm just like, I, so I left it all. I moved out. Um, and within the first weekend of my new place, I drunk text, like he, well, he, he drunk texted me and I was drunk because I was living with these like really, you know, party girls, <laughs> parties all the time so um it was a party and so I was like you know what and I invited him over and that was back in 2016 um and the first it's funny because looking back I mean even though I was I was super aware of the red flags the whole time um like looking looking back at it it, it was really interesting I'm not sure if it I, hard to explain like I don't regret it but um I know that from outside looking in all my friends are like Michelle what are you doing but I just something in my head told me to to continue so in the first year like he wouldn't commit to was doing the whole I don't want a relationship and you know it's like he was communicating to me hey I don't want a relationship like I don't I don't feel like I'm, I can do this like I don't feel like I could commit I don't feel like I can be a good girl boyfriend I can't give you what you need. Like he was full blown communicating this to me. And I was like, yeah, I totally understand, but nope, um, it's going to happen. <laughs> so I like, like so much. I'm <laughs> Ooh. <I know. laughs> um, and so we would, we were on and off, on and off. He would, he would get close. He would freak out and like, and just completely ghost me or like something like that. And then somehow we just get back. It was just like this mess of the first year. Um, and, and then we somehow finally just made that switch where I put the boundaries down and was like, take it or leave it, either commit to me or you're going to go. Um, and he committed and, uh, you know, I, I, it was, it was, I was definitely like, it was my definitely like, like the first, like, I think the real, the first time I really felt like love as an adult, like truly love, like I'm all my relationships. I always focused on the negatives um, with why I shouldn't be with them. And here I had this person who had so many reasons as to why I shouldn't. And I never once ever was like, nope, I shouldn't be with him or no. Like, uh, I, <clears throat> like, these are, I never once thought about that. I always thought about the person that I, I saw the person he could be. And he had an amazing heart and a lot of good, good qualities that I just focused on. And throughout our relationship, I just continued to focus on that and have like faith that it was all going to work out. Um, and which is, a, I think is a good thing in a sense. Like, I think it grew me a lot. I was, I wasn't focusing on negative things or I wasn't like expecting a person to be perfect which to in the, for who they are. I mean, yeah, the big part of being an adult is realizing that people kind of are who they are and we can't we can't really change them and we, maybe we shouldn't try and change them, but mm-hmm. at the same time, potential is potential and potential is not reality. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and you know, I know, you know, to this day, like, uh, well, I'll get back to that later, but, um, 
the relationship was, you know, there was a lot of faults in it, but it's funny because even though I would say he was, he didn't give me a whole lot. Um, there was a lot of things that he wasn't providing me that I know that I needed, but I was some, I was for some reason just content in, in what he was able to give me. Um, that was, that's, you know, I I don't, I, I was, I think about that all the time. And I think it's so interesting. I, I was so, so, um, so in love with him that I think it wasn't, my choices were to be content um, and to just keep, keep, because it, like it would slowly get better and then it would get worse, but it would slowly get better. So I think um, I was just holding on to this weird hope that, because he was learning, he was learning how to be a good partner, but it was slow. Mm-hmm. And there was so much progress. Like when I first met him to the person that he is today, is like night and day. Like he did have a lot of progress. And I feel like, as cocky as that sounds, I feel like I had a lot to do with that. Like as having somebody in his life that was stable and that was supportive and that, you know, um, provided that, like provided that sense of security for him. Um, I think I just, uh, was able to hold on to this, like, I want to say fantasy that things would eventually get to where I want them to be. So, um, I was okay with things being, uh, not like to my standards because eventually they would be which it, it's not don't girls out there no don't think that um it's a hard <laughs> like when people show you who they are or they tell you something like just accept it just accept it you know I, and that's and, and, and there's always that voice that was telling me you know this is like I remember when I would go and like when he in the first year of our first year of our I put in quotes relationship because he wouldn't commit to me he would say he's gonna hang out bail and hanging out and then text me at like 3 a.m asking to pick him up you know but and I would like I would like I would I would do it mm-hmm. um even though I was like you know if I saw my friend doing this like I'd be like mm. um I mean I think back to conversations that you've had with me about people that I've been married to or people that I've been <laughs> seeing and you're like Mm. but we're also blind to it when it's ourselves you know but it's, I wasn't blind to it I knew what I was doing yeah Just some, it was like there was some pool that I, I honestly like in that relationship with him I I felt a lack of control like and I'm sure you can relate there's like a lack of control that you feel like it's so intense like when we would when when he would um he would get me to a, a level that I've never experienced before as far as like out of control or like, like he would bring me to this place that I've never like experienced emotionally. Yeah. I mean, I spent a big part of 2019, like fixated over a person kind of in a similar situation. And it was just, when I finally pulled myself out of it, I kind of realized like, Mm. baby girl, like a lot of that was in your head. Yeah. And you're just like holding on to like a, like the potential, like that's what I kept telling myself. Like this person has the potential to be like so great. And it's just like, I don't know. I feel like it's hard because a, as women, we're like kind of conditioned to like be nurturing and to be like self-sacrificial and like put other people first. And I think that that's like, like what for me, like I was used to doing and, you know, like my long-term relationship prior to that, it was just like, I was so used to guys kind of like being able to, I don't know, do what they wanted and I needed to be there and be the one that kind of like bent over backwards to take care of them. So I think like for me, that just added like an extra layer of like weird 
I don't know, like lack of self-confidence to even want to assert myself into being like, hey, like what you're doing is kind of sucky. Mm-hmm. Like commit to me. Like, <laughs> or, or like if you say you're going to do something, then like show up for that, like be consistent. And then when I would try and do that, the other person always just met that with such like, we're not in a relationship. And that's when it was like, hello, like red flag. Yeah. But I, it's easy to fall into that trap. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, I don't want to come on here and say that he was, um, he was, he's a really an honestly outstanding person. I respect him to this day. We're on really good terms. Um, it, it took a while to get there. Uh, but you know, he's, he has a really good heart and I did, I did love him for a reason. Um, but it's just love and respect people and also recognize that like, maybe we can't coexist like in a relationship, you know? Yeah. Yes, for sure. Um, I, but like, but with my failure, like, I feel like that it's something that I had to really process because um, I went through all the stages um, because I, you know, we broke up. It's, it's going to be a year in uh, August, right? August. Yeah. And then we, then we got back together, kind of back together after Bali when I come back from Bali. He like begged for me to give him a, you know, chance and all that good stuff. So there's another failure. <laughs> Um, you know, like, and it took, it's it's taken me pretty much this amount of time to really process the whole situation because, uh, my, I felt like such a failure. I think I felt like a failure that I put, not that I, I don't want to say regret, but I, I did, I put like so much energy and effort into this person who ultimately left for the original reason why he told me he didn't want to be with me <laughs> like that he didn't see himself he's he left because he was like I feel like in the next marriage I don't feel like I'm worthy of you I don't feel like I can can do that I don't feel you know like it was pretty much like when he was saying this to me it was like wow Michelle he told me this from day one and here I am years later now in my late 20s of uh, having the same record like it was like the twilight zone uh and i i was more i remember being so angry but not so much at him but just at me and just feeling like why did i put so much faith and like because he even said it he's like i feel like you created this image of our life and i, I don't fit it and he was right i pictured I picture we moved in together after I graduated grad school. That was all me. It was all, I created this. Like I graduated grad school. Things are going to be different, like blah, blah, blah. But no, graduating grad school made him more threatened by me. It didn't make him want to move forward and made him push back more. Like all these things that I created in my head, like, oh, we're going to do great. We're going to have this dog together, which now that's another failure of mine. I fell in love with my ex's dog um, who I now can't let go of. So it completely complicates my life. Um, so I think through all the process and through all the looking at it as a failure, I have to really try to not look at that way. Cause how are you, how are you trying to reframe this? Cause I feel like that's hard when you come out of a long-term relationship and you're like, I invested so much time in this. It's hard not to feel some kind of way about like losing your time and not mm-hmm. like having the results that you were expected of you know, that investment in your time? Like, how have you been, like, reframing that? Um, that's a really good question. I think reframing that is, like, understanding that 
I think he gave me a real, like, he really, something I, I said that to him too. Like he showed me what it is to really love somebody, which I never, I don't think I truly understood before to love somebody for everything and for all of their faults and to really, to really want like, like all I ever wanted for him from, for him was to be happy and to, um, to, to be, cause he always said he didn't feel good enough for me. Mm-hmm. and didn't feel worthy and he wasn't where he wanted to be in his life and that was so heartbreaking for me that I think looking at it processing it now it's like I I I know it sounds cocky but I did help him be the person that he is today and I think that does kind of make it worth it and not a failure like we learn from each other each other ultimately am I stoked at the fact that I invested so much in a person who um, ultimately left. It's not great, but um, <laughs> to, to be able to, you know, he did, we were able to like kind of communicate to each other about it once the anger kind of settled. And I think um, understanding that I wasn't personal, that he does, that he did love me and that it wasn't anything I had to do. Like, I think because it's so easy to internalize. Why am I, why, why, like, why, why would you leave me if I'm so great? Because he would tell me, I love you. You're the, you're the most amazing woman I've ever met. And I'm like, I don't understand, you know? Like, if I'm so amazing and if you love me, then what's, what's the fucking problem? And I think that's what we would fight about. I'd be like, he would say this to me. He's like, you're the best partner. You're the most amazing. Like, he would say, like, if I had kids, I'd want you to be the mom. So we're like, okay, so what's the problem? Like, <laughs> and so we, there was like, there's something that wasn't clicking between us. And I had to really realize that I don't, get to um like it's not uh, always about me like I had to (laughs) him leaving me didn't have anything to do with me um and it's all about you know I'm sure because you know on a happy note where he's today he actually got this great job his like dream job um a couple weeks ago and he told me about it and I've never seen him smile like that in my life well since I've known him and I think um that which brought up a lot of feelings right and I I, I truly believe that if he didn't go through this this stuff with me and like and he wouldn't be where he is today. Um so I think that in relationships there's some there's a lot some some person plays the role of like the giver and some people, you know, and the taker. Not like it's a bad thing, give or take, but I think um some people are forced to like grow out of relationships maybe more than mm-hmm. others, you know, like sometimes you're kind of helping to like teach the lesson and sometimes you're learning the lesson and sometimes it's both. Yeah. Yeah. And we both learn. I mean, I guess even though I already knew I shouldn't be doing it when I was doing it, I think uh, I really did learn a lesson about my own boundaries um, in relationships and well, what I just, what I just, what I, yeah. Like what I deserve. Right. And you had also mentioned, you know, the part about too, like learning that when things go wrong with other people, like sometimes they just have their own like internalized issues that they're trying mm-hmm. to work through. And like, we can't take that from them and like put it on ourselves. Like, I feel which, like a big thing. Which is what I did. I, I took everything on thinking like, oh, like I can, you know, I can fix it or I, which I couldn't, you know, I, I helped and I also supportive, but I can't, I can't make him believe that he is worthy or that, you know, all this thing. So he had to figure it out for him. He has to figure it out for himself. Right. Um, so I yeah. think that, that, that brought me like a lot of peace with it um, through my process. 
So I eventually stopped calling it a failure. I mean, I still guess call it a failure because it's kind of, it's kind of. I think part of like doing this is just like destigmatizing the word failure. Like <laughs> bad, like failure means that something didn't work out the way that you would plan for it to work out. Right. Like essentially like, right. Scientifically, yeah. Like, like look at it, look at it, look at it as a science project. Right. I mean, that's how we learn is when we have like a hypothesis and like, maybe we don't prove our hypothesis to be correct or whatever, but we learn like something else out of that. I don't know. I'm not a good person to talk about <laughs> science, but I think just in general, like failures are so big and important because they do reframe our entire mindset. I mean, right. look at me, like having my entire, like God, almost eight year long relationship, like crash and burn the way that it did. Like it was a really hard year of life, like going through all of that and experiencing it. But like, I've never been so happy with like who I am as a person mm-hmm. than I like ever have in my entire life because I just, I don't know, like it really kind of turned up all the shit about myself that like I had been shoving down and like not handling and not dealing with Um, because you're forced to face stuff like that, right? When you go through like a big life-changing experience, like a breakup or a divorce or whatever. So it's just kind of, it was hell. It was awful. Like I wouldn't wish it upon anybody, but it's like also kind of like the most important and best thing that ever happened. Right. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And I, I, it's just like, I think the, I do, I still think the world of him. I think that he's an amazing human being and that deserves everything. Um, and he did teach me a lot. Like the, I think boundaries is a huge one. Like I'm actually currently for the first time, um, since like really dating somebody that I actually really like. Um, and it's interesting because I've noticed, like, I have to kind of check myself because, um, he's actually really nice <laughs> and he uh he he kind of like I think the niceness like his um him being you know texting me and calling me and wanting to do things with me and and like I think it was overwhelming for me because it was new mm-hmm. um I didn't have I mean was oh well swap that out he was like he was great but um there was, there was a lack of, of, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but there was a lack of how, how to be in a, how to be a partner. Um, so I kind of lost, um, what it is to, to have a partner treat you right, uh, um, and do all like, and, uh, prioritize you. So I, I was overwhelmed in the beginning, like, this is weird, like what's happening. Um, and it's interesting because it taught me also like boundaries and what, what I should, um, ex- like, I don't want to say expect, but yeah, like expect from another person, what I should expect from like expectations, right? Because we all have things that we want or we need in order to be happy. And it's not that like, it's not that people are bad people for not being able to grant us those things, but it's just, it means like lack of basic compatibility, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're somebody that wants someone to check in with them throughout the day, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you would obviously need to find a partner that is capable of meeting that need. Right. So it's a, it's just, I feel like I'm coming into this relationship, um, like a dip, it's so differently. Like I'm coming into it, I'm communicating. Um, I'm telling like, if, if I am upset, like I'll say something, um, I'll lay down kind of like my boundaries. Like he upset me. Um, he triggered something in me with like my past relationship because he like was going to come over and he like fell asleep and that I got so upset. But instead of being reactive, 
I just communicated to him like the next day that, Hey, this is like a trigger for me. So I noticed that I've, that I'm really able now to like be able to communicate my needs and like what is going on with me instead of in the past kind of letting myself like not think my feelings are valid and then just having them um, explode at inappropriate moments. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think it, I mean, it also comes with age, but you know, I'm almost 28 now and I just don't have, I feel like that relationship with my ex has really taught me how to be, like I was always a good partner, but I think how to be like a, a good partner that's also good to myself. Right. And um, make, making sure that like, it's not just about taking, it's a give and take scenario. Um, and, and, and like, it's interesting being with this new person I almost forgot what it is to really uh, have somebody who's super compatible. Like he is, he is like, um, it's, it's with him. It's easy. I don't feel anxiety. I feel comfortable. And I, I and it's like, Oh, is this what it's supposed to feel like? Cause it's, so it's, it's really interesting. Like, yes, it was a failure. Um, and I was devastated when it happened. Um, and it took a very, and I'm still processing it. It took a really long time to feel okay, but I, it's, it has um, really given a new perspective to what I'm looking for in a relationship because I, I had to create this false reality with, with my ex. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Failing Miserably, Ordinary People Fucking Up Extraordinarily. I am so grateful that you've taken the time to listen to this whole episode, and I am looking forward to failing miserably with you again next week. I love you guys. Take care. Bye.